This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 205, Real Dragons, The Answers in Genesis Interview. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so wise you are. was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Strangers and Aliens, the podcast about science fiction, faith, fantasy, imagination, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. And I am one of your hosts, Evan David, and I am not alone. I am joined with my other two co-hosts. Hey, it's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and me, Steve McDonald. Wow, guys, that was a smooth intro. That ah, was too smooth. We, well, we, pretty did, fun. we did it wrong. It, it went smoothly. <laughs> yeah. What is this all about? We'll do that again. <laughs> we'll fix that in post. Let's mess this up in post, though, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. All right. Anyway, hey. today... Special episode. We got Today. something special for you. It's uh, it's an interview episode, and uh, what we've done, or yeah, what, what we've done is sent me down to the Creation Museum in Kentucky uh, to interview one of their creation scientists and speakers about a very very cool topic. Now, if you're not familiar with what the uh, Creation Museum is, it's a Christian uh, museum. It's like the Christian version of the Smithsonian. Where they present the uh, the biblical account of how the world was created and ex- and the implications that has for science and use science to back up uh, that worldview and it's it's pretty cool and it's it's very legit. The museum is very well put together and uh, there are serious scientists working there. And one of the cool things about creation science, if you believe in the uh, six day. God created the world in six days. That's what it says. That's just what happened. Uh, then it has some cool implications for world history and science. That's, that's personally what I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what one of those is is that, well, we know that there's dinosaurs, so God must have created the dinosaurs on day six. And God, you know, when he put all the animals on the ark, there must have been dinosaurs on the ark. And that means the dinosaurs got off the ark. And that means that there were humans and dinosaurs living together yeah, at the same just- time. At least for a little while. Yeah. And uh, so – and that's that's a widespread view uh, in creation science. So I got to talk with one of their scientists, and they actually hooked me up with the guy who's like – this is – it's all done through Answers in Genesis, which is the parent organization. Mm-hmm. And they set me up with the guy who has written most of the books in their, in their library about uh, the dinosaurs and man living together. And the big theory is that – you know all those dragon myths that exist somehow in every single culture across the world? Yep. That those dragons were actually eyewitnesses' accounts of dinosaurs. 
Right, because the word dinosaur came about in the 1800s. The English Bible was written in the you know 14, 15, 1600s. So obviously that word wasn't available to people writing the English Bible. And once it came into being, instead of using that word, they just kept using the word dragon in the Bible. So all these you know, things in history where it's talking about things that are like a dragon, what's the only animal that we really have that's sort of like a dragon? We have dinosaurs. dinosaurs. Yeah. So um, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and the, you know, for people who, who might be, you know, on the fence or believe something else, it's not like Answers in Genesis says you have to believe this to be a Christian. You know, people right. can have different ideas about what happened in these things. As long as they believe, you know, that repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord gets you to heaven. And, you know, the reality of it sin. Makes you right with God. Reality, yeah. yeah. And all that that stuff, you know, that, that goes along with it. All that, the the weight of sin and the, you know, the, the redemption story of Christ and everything. Um, what Answers in Genesis does is it ties all that stuff back to the first three uh, chapters of the Bible, mainly, and, you know, through uh, Noah's flood as well, um, and makes it logical, makes it make sense. Um, The genealogies in Genesis, it's it's preloaded there for you to to do the math if you really wanted to, to put it back to the date that uh, Answers in Genesis gives us. And, And it really gives you the sense that these are real scientists doing real science and they're not just people who are taking the Bible and saying, well, the Bible has to be true, so let's force our, you know, force everything around it. No, it's, it's real scientists doing real science. So that's you know, one of the amazing things about it. It's not uh, spurious like some people would think. And so I got to go down and talk with one of these guys, and it was super nice of them to set me up with an interview. And uh, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go listen to that. It's about a half-hour interview, and we're talking about dragons in real life. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Bodie Hodge. He is a researcher here at the Creation Museum in Answers in Genesis. Welcome, Bodie. Hey, it's great to be on the show. We're here today to talk about dragons, but before we do that, would you mind just giving a very brief uh, description of what Answers in Genesis is, okay. and what you guys do, and all that stuff? Yeah, Answers in Genesis, we are a Bible-upholding apologetics ministry. Uh, we're, I think we're the largest apologetics ministry uh, uh, in the world, as a matter of fact. Awesome. But uh, you know, we're the ones that's been involved in building a creation museum, which is a walkthrough of Bible history. Uh, we've recently opened the Ark Encounter, which is a full-size Noah's Ark. It is exciting. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it just blows me away to see that kind of things. But, you know, we have a, a radio program. We have website. We do speaking uh, all over the world. We have a worldwide ministry. So, uh, yeah, we're out there. We, we yeah. keep ourselves pretty busy. Awesome. Awesome. Some of you guys may be familiar with the uh, Bill Nye, uh, Ken Ham debate, creationism versus evolution. And uh, that that's these guys. Yeah, that's right. In fact, as I, I was involved in uh, writing a book with Ken Ham, responding to all the points within that debate. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, in a debate, you've only got a short amount of time to, to go mm-hmm. back and forth. In fact, as Bill Nye and Ken Ham both only had about an hour all total of speaking time, and yet they hit a lot of subjects. But with a book, you know, we could hit all sorts of subjects oh, yeah. and, and refute. In fact, as I had Bill Nye's permission to respond to it, by the way. Oh, cool. Um, I, I, 
went up and had him sign a Bible, and he said, question everything. So I, I had his permission to question everything nice. he said. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was really neat uh, to be, uh, be involved in that project. So Cool. All right. Well, like I said, we're here to talk about dragons. Now, obviously, as a science fiction fantasy podcast, we talk a lot about, you know, like The Hobbit, books like that. And mm-hmm. that's got dragons in it. We've got Aragon. In film, we've got Dragon Hearts. In TV, we've got Dragon Ball. In sci-fi, even, we have Reign of Fire, you know, with the oh yeah the sci-fi type dragon sort of thing. So... <clears throat> Obviously, all that stuff is based on legends in the different cultures of mm-hmm. dragons. But you guys and your colleagues, you guys are scientists, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are scientists, yeah. historians. Yeah. You're not messing around. You're not just That's like right. this, we got theologians. We got all yeah. sorts here. Yeah. You're not just a fan group right. going around writing random stuff. You guys have done your research. So you guys, there's there's some interesting research going on here at Answers in Genesis, and it is you are saying that these legends from the various cultures are actually based on real-life encounters with dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what we would say, you know, not all of them, naturally. You know, sometimes right. things are embellished and people write stories, you know, that, that might appear. Uh, but, uh, you know, a, a huge portion of these uh, in ancient literature, they're actually talked about as though they're real creatures right alongside uh, other animals. Believe it or not, even Linnaeus, the, the famous man who uh, was doing the classification system, he even had an entry for dragon. He didn't know how to place it because a lot of them were dying out, hmm. uh, particularly in his day and age. And I, I know that sounds kind of new to a lot of people, but, you know, ancient historians, Herodotus, you know, they mention it, they describe it right alongside other creatures. And uh, j- just so you know, dragon is, is more of an overarching term. Sometimes we think dragon, we all automatically think of one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Dragon is an overarching term that would have included uh, uh, sea dragons. It would have included flying reptiles. It would have included a lot of the land reptiles. Um, you know, so you have to keep in mind the terminology for dragon as well. But uh, that, that's kind of an intro okay. to, to to a big subject here. Yeah. So they they've they've seen some sort of giant lizard in these ancient writings, and you guys would say that uh, these would be dinosaurs. Well, in some cases, here's the way I like to put it: okay. I would say all dinosaurs are dragons, but oh. not all dragons are dinosaurs. And the reason I say that, remember, dragon's the overarching term. Dinosaur has a very specific definition. Most people don't realize it's it's a definition that's primarily de- defined by its hip structure. Okay. A dinosaur has one of two hip structures so that it raises its body up off the ground. Okay. So if you think of a Komodo dragon or a crocodile or an alligator, by technical definition, they're not classed as a dinosaur because their hip structure allows their belly to lay on the ground. Okay. Uh, a flying reptile, by technical definition, like a pteranodon or a pterodactyl, they're actually not considered a dinosaur either. Not in a lay sense, we sometimes lump them in there, but right. uh, they wouldn't be, plesiosaurs would not be, or a chronosaur, things like that. Uh, some of those swimming reptiles, you know, like the stuff you'd see in Ice Age, you know, those little right. critters floating around in there. But, uh, um, I mean, those were real creatures, but that doesn't necessarily mean they fit under the technical definition of dinosaur. Okay. So, it would, this would be the, just any giant reptilian-looking... Yeah, a lot thing. of a lot of times. Yeah, in fact, it would even include the serpentines. You know, like a gigantic snake. Okay. Uh, you know, could by rights be called a, a a dragon as well, but of course not a not a dinosaur gotcha. like definition. Yeah. Now I don't know about our listener group, uh, our listener base, but some of these guys might not be familiar with creation science mm-hmm. and what that says about dinosaurs, giant reptiles, that sort of thing, um, and they might be thinking, well. 
how, how did they how did they how did these ancient people write about this stuff and see this stuff dinosaurs died a long time ago that's right you know that's that's what we see out there in our common culture mm-hmm. see if we start with the bible you go back god created everything in six days on the sixth day created man on the sixth day also created land animals by technical definition those dinosaurs are land animals <laughs> uh, fact is your dragons you know if they were the flying or the swimming ones they would have been the day the, the fifth day day before mm-hmm. uh, but if they were the land dragons then yeah they would have been made on the sixth day of creation in fact is nobody questioned that until recently it wasn't until the the 1800s in particular is when people started to separate man and dinosaurs out by long periods of time mm. in fact there's literature you know even in the early uh, 1900s where people still put man and dinosaurs together it's a fairly new idea mm. but it's so ingrained in our culture that that's what we're taught in our tv shows that's what we're taught in schools and and media and things like that so it, it really has kind of affected us and even as christians you know you know, we bought into a lot of those ideas back in our past. Right. The key is to go back to the Bible and say, well, what does the Bible say? You know, God, God's the one who's always right. So, And that's very cool. Um, I remember when I was uh, growing up and I was little, one of my favorite books to check out from my library at my Christian school was The Great Dinosaur Mystery in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then I saw you guys had that here at the Creation Museum. I bought mm-hmm. that immediately. <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, that book really excited me, too. Uh, Ken Ham, a great, great Dinosaur Mystery. There's The Great Dinosaur Mystery Solved. There's a DVD and there's a, there's a book as well. And, uh, you know, I remember I, I went right through that book. I was like, you know what? It, it was powerful to me because they just said, okay, well, let's go back to the Bible and take a look at this. And they kept saying, let's go back to the Bible. Let's go back to the Bible. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Hello. And, uh, you know, I, I've done that research as well. Well, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize either, you look at a lot of Bible translations, the word dragon's in there. Yeah. And, and, and people don't, don't realize, hey, it's in the Old Testament. The King James Version, for example, it's in there 22 times. <laughs> in the old Geneva Bible that the pilgrims brought over, it's in there 24 times. And there's two Hebrew words uh, that uh, the translators felt the need to translate as dragon. And uh, it, it's not one isolated book. It's all over throughout the Old Testament, <laughs> uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, there's even the dragon well and things like that. It, it's, it, it really is powerful. I've got a book called Dragons, Legends and Lore Dinosaurs, uh, where we actually take a look at some of these different dragon legends you see in ancient cultures. There's even a listing of where dragon is found okay. in, uh, in the Bible. And I'm just kind of flipping through it right now. And you can see here, there's beautiful artwork. I know you guys can't see that, but... There's uh, also pop-ups. There's pop-ups, pop-outs. In fact, there's even the name Dragon in all these different languages. And some of you might recognize Drac uh, or uh, Tanin. That's the Hebrew name. Drago. Yeah, Drago. Mm-hmm. Yep. Draco. You'll see recognize some of that as well. So you can recognize some of these Lindworm. Hmm. Uh, like, like the worms or things like that. Right, you can see right. that in English or in the German, that sort of thing. But uh, we have a listing in here that's got the dragons, where it's actually at. Deuteronomy uh, uh, 32, 33, or Nehemiah 2, 13, Job 30, 29, uh, dragon uh, is in it. Let me just read a couple of these. Deuteronomy 32, 33, their wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of, of asps. Uh, Job 30, verse 29, I am the brother to dragons and a companion to owls. You know, and of course, that's more of a poetic right. book. You know, you note that. But uh, dragon and dragons is there throughout uh, uh, the Bible, uh, particularly in the Old Testament. You see a little bit of it in the New Testament, but most of what we see in the New Testament, which is more talking theology, the history. Uh, you know, like Revelation uh, Christ, by Satan. And that's things. right. You see it with, with Satan. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's a good analogy because yeah. a lot of these dragons were vicious. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you got to watch out for some of them. And, uh, you know, having a comparison of Satan to a dragon, is that's a brilliant analogy, mm-hmm. really. Very cool. Very cool. So... I mean, this just, we're all about imagination here in in Strangers and Aliens family. And so this this sort of uh, 
the view of history, which I I personally believe is a true view of history, is really really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's to me it's it's it seems like it's very unexplored in mm-hmm. fiction, you know, especially in the in popular culture. Do you know of any like fictional books maybe or comics or anything that is taking advantage of this view of history? You know, I know of a handful just because they've contacted us and they've written to us and they've wanted us to look at different manuscripts and things like that. And we're fine with that. Okay. Uh, you know, we just can't uh, go through a lot of it. Uh, a good friend of mine, Tim Chafee, he likes to write some of the, the 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 fantasy novels, you know, from a biblical viewpoint. In fact, as he was the content designer at the Ark Encounter. Oh cool. Uh, so you know, he enjoys doing some things like that. In fact, is you, you, you might want to do a podcast with him at some point. Okay. He, he, he would probably really enjoy that, awesome. too. But, uh, uh, you know, when we look at dinosaurs, when we look at dragons, we're thinking about it from a biblical perspective. It really does start to open a lot of people's eyes. It opened my eyes years ago. But uh, one of the things that I've done uh, in recent times, I've been over to England a number of times. I've been down to Peru, and, you know, I've ended up all over. And you go to some of these old cathedrals. You know, I've been to Bath Cathedral, uh, which was, uh, that was a Roman city in England, about 200 A.D. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cathedral there has got dragons on it, cool. uh, right there with these other creatures that you'd readily recognize and go, oh, yeah, look at that. Uh, I've been to Leicester, which is in the central part of England, and they've got uh, a particular type of dragon, which is actually uh, wyvern. It's got the wings and it's got a tail. And uh, a lot of times had the two legs. Uh, you, you almost want to think of like a velociraptor, but instead of the little arms, you have wings there. Uh, it's cool. very similar to that. But but they were right next to all sorts of creatures. Here's one. Um, and this is in Gloucester. Uh, there's Gloucester Cathedral. There's uh, a lot of ancient buildings in Gloucester. It's an ancient place. Some of the old kings of England were buried in Gloucester Cathedral. But uh, right down the way from there, you see this dragon right next to a dog. You know, yeah. you know, sometimes people, you know, they look at that and they say, well, the dragon can't be real. Well, the dog is real, though. What's what's going on mm-hmm. here? And uh, even the old flag of Wales, uh, which is still their 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 flag. It's an ancient flag. It's got a dragon on it. I don't have a picture of it sitting right here in front of me, but uh, it's got a got a big dragon. On okay. Too, so. so. All right. So let me ask you this question just for fun. If. Uh, so the the dinosaurs are dragons. They were they were created in the garden with everybody else. They got on the ark. Mm-hmm. They're in the ark. They they made it through. Um, when do you, when do you guys think they died off and and how? You know that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. That. In fact, is a lot of the, the the bones we find in the fossil record would have been the dinosaurs that were not on board Noah's ark. You mm-hmm. know they died, been buried, and, and in fact, is the flood of Noah's day is perfect conditions to lay down uh, fossils and things like that. So you know we right. see that. Now they would have come off board Noah's ark. And uh, they would have thrived uh, depending on where they were at. fact is, a lot of animals have died off since the time of the flood. Right. And I would suggest that a lot of the dinosaurs have died out the same way anything else has died out in a lot of those dragons. Now, with a lot of the research that I did, I found that about the 1500s, they were really starting to go away. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I found a lot of records, ancient records, going back 2,000 years ago or better. Uh, you know, you got Herodotus, uh, an, an old historian, mentions one and describes them, that sort of thing. You know, I mean, he was living, you know, what, three, three to 500 B.C., if I remember right. Hmm. And, uh, in fact, I think it was between three and 400 B.C., around the time Alexander the Great, think of in, that. It, oh, no, that's, that's A.D. I was thinking of yeah. George, George and the Dragon. That's, that's uh, about 300, 300 A.D. A.D. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, so you have a lot of these old records of these guys. And we find these all the way up. In the 1500s, I still found quite a few. But after the 1500s, I started to see, I, I started to notice they were dwindling. I didn't see near as many. Um, I, you know, well, we've all heard this. Dragons are myth. Who hasn't heard that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, movies like How to Train Your Dragon, not, not real dragons. Right, so right. Pure, pure <laughs> mythology. But, uh, um, you know, I decided to research that. I thought, well, 
when did people start thinking dragons were myth? The fact is, when I first started to research it, I thought, boy, this is going back hundreds of years, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pinpoint. I was dead wrong. The uh, fact is, I wrote a chapter, and here, I'm going to pull it out just so you can see it. Uh, it's in the New Answers book, Volume 4, and it's specifically on uh, dragons. And when I wrote this, the, the title of it's uh, Dragons, Were They Real? And one of the things I did is I decided, hey, let's do a section in here. When did people start believing dragons uh, were a myth? And so as I started to study this, lo and behold, people were still talking about it. You know, 1700s, <laughs> 1800s, <laughs> even in the late 1800s, you're still mentioning it. You know, like real creatures right alongside everything else. And right. I thought, well, boy, where, where's this going to be? In 1902, the Encyclopedia Britannica has an entry for sea dragons. They say they're real. They're just very rare. <laughs> And I thought, wow, look at this, this is the 1900s, That's you know? Cool. And uh, I looked up, I found out in 1910, the Encyclopedia Britannica has an entry for dragons, where it, it claims that somebody said there were still some dragons living up in the Alps. It's a mountain region uh, over in uh, uh, Europe. And a guy went up there, he couldn't find them. Hmm. So he said, well, therefore, they're a myth. Hmm. Well, I guess the idea that they died out completely <laughs> escaped him. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that was 1910. In fact, there are people who went against them. Right up here, I've got a, a new century dictionary. These were originally published. It's a two-volume set. Uh, this thing was published in 1927, and this is a reprint that was a little bit later. And it's got an entry for dragon in here. And uh, let, me, let me just flip to it. I'm going to read, read uh, uh, the dragon entry to you. This will shock you. But... It says... And guys, while he's looking this up, let me just describe the office I'm in. It's like wall-to-wall books. <laughs> you just pulled out like an ancient text. It's like uh, like I'm hanging out with Gandalf here. <laughs> That's talking right. About, talking about dragons. That's right. You know, I, I got ma- maps everywhere, too. You know, <laughs> it's I, I, true. Yep, I would have fit really well in Lord of the Rings, I think. <laughs> but uh, dragon. Of course, it's taken me forever to flip page after page to get to it. And there, I just went past There's it. There's also a fossil. I'm sitting next to a fossil. <laughs> Yep, we have those sort of things in here. I have a, I have a great time with that. How old is this volume of the Pilgrim's Progress? Um, it's actually not as old as you might think. No, it looks really old. But it, it was made to look old. Oh. Master Books did that one recently. In fact, as we sold a lot of copies of it, it's, that's a fascinating one there. All right. Here we go. Dragon. Here it is. Here's what it says. A huge serpent or snake, now rare. Hmm. <laughs> Now think, that's 1927, and this is a reprint. Um, I don't have the original uh, uh, printing of it, but this was a reprint uh, as late as 1944. Wow. So it gives you an idea that this idea that dragons are a myth is actually a fairly new idea. Huh. That's crazy. And yet it's permeated our culture quickly. Yeah. Hey, you know, in this uh, this chapter I did on uh, dragons, were they real in the New Answers Book 4? Mm-hmm. I have an introduction to this, and I call it a dodo of an introduction. Uh, you know dodo birds? Yes. Uh, the, you know, we, we always called people a dodo when I was a kid. I mean, did, you, did you guys do that? <laughs> I don't think I ever called anybody a dodo. <laughs> in fact, I, I might have been called a dodo. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a dodo was a very strange bird, and uh, it was on a little island down in the Indian Ocean. And uh, sailors claimed that they saw it and they found it, and it, that it was so easy you could just go up to it, catch it, and kill it and eat it. And, mm. you know, so it provided a lot of sustenance to them. Well, a, an interesting thing happened that even though in the 15 and 1600s they, they were able to find these things and catch them, and there's all this documentation of it, they died out. They basically hunted them to extinction right. and they were gone. And so they disappeared. So then people started saying, well, 
Dodos are myth. Huh. They're not real. Hmm. In fact, the, the people leading that group were a b- bunch of scientists. Because they're well, not observable. Not. Yeah, right. we can't find these things. They never existed. You know, the, these sailors, they're just making stuff up and, hmm. and things like that. And then lo and behold, at the British Museum, many years later, they found a stuffed one that had been brought back. You know, many huh. years before, they're like, hey, look at this. It was real. And then they go out there and they start doing some digging and they found some some bones, a few things had fossilized. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, well, I guess dodos really were real. Now, think of that with regards to dragons. You know, here it is. You know, we, we don't find dragons today. Right. So the first thing is, well, they're myth. They're not real. Well, dinosaurs are dragons. We find their bones. Right. You know, the fact is the word, the word dinosaur literally means terrible or terrifying lizard. Right. It makes you wonder. What if they just called them dragon bones? Right. Would there be a controversy? It wasn't until 1841 that they, they came up with the name dinosaur. That's a new word. Right. You know, before <laughs> that, uh, in any time you would have seen a dinosaur. In fact, as I asked a Hebrew guy one time, I said, okay, let's say you find a dinosaur. Let's just say you happen to stumble across it, and you're going to write it in Hebrew. What would you call it? And it's actually the Hebrew word that we translate for, for dragon. dragon. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, look at that, tanin, you know? Well, that's cool. Uh, so, yeah, it, it just kind of blew me away. But, see, sometimes it's our presuppositions. If we don't see something, we automatically think, well, it wasn't real. Well, we have to keep in mind we're in a sin cursed and broken world where things are dying out all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have an endangered species list, for example. Now, why do we have that? Well, because we would have killed off hosts of things. Right. Imagine how many things would have went extinct this past hundred years if we didn't have an endangered species list. Mm. I mean, for all we know, people could be talking about how bald eagles are, are, are myth. They're not real. Right. Are you kidding me? Or blue whales. That, that's yeah. right. You know, a lot of these things, you know, if they go extinct, sometimes people might think, they, you know, if we don't have any other records of them. Because you haven't seen one in a not. century. That's right. That's right. And before photographs and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's so interesting. Yeah. So, okay, another question. We're we're almost going to wrap up here. But uh, for dragons, okay, so we've got the uh, Leviathan talks about the uh, yeah. fire breathing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a biological function or is that just <laughs> uh, poetic you know what? I, I think it was real. Okay. And, you know, the Bible talks about several things that, that breathe fire. First was the Leviathan, um, you know, which it mentions right there in Job chapter 41. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see the uh, fiery serpents in the books of Moses. And okay. then there's the fiery flying serpents in the in the book of Isaiah. <laughs> so, you know, it talks about three different creatures that shot fire. Well, there's a lot of people that don't realize there's a little bug called a bombardier beetle. Some people say bombardier beetle. You know, the Tower of Babel stuff, I guess. <laughs> but... Uh, this bombardier beetle literally shoots two chemicals into a chamber that ignite with each other. They basically catch on fire, and it shoots it out and <laughs> fries things. This is a fascinating little bug. Uh, look up on the Internet uh, videos of a bombardier beetle. I saw one at Fried an Ant. It was incredible. Wow. I mean, I'm not a fan of bugs, but right. that, that's got to be the coolest thing on the whole planet. I'm going to look that up. But, uh, you know, if, if this bug, a bombardier beetle, can shoot fire, why couldn't God have done that right, with the Leviathan or fiery serpents? You know, there, there's no reason it, it, it couldn't have been a real creature. If they had these sort of things, would there be any indication in fossils? Or is that all just all all the organs are you, gone? You, you know, know? A, a lot of that would be in the soft tissue, which um, very rarely is that stuff preserved. You know, it, it makes the news when you find some soft tissue. Right. Uh, but there are ancient historians. Herodotus, for example, he mentioned some fiery serpents that would come up every year at a particular time coming up out of Arabia uh, toward Egypt. And the Egyptians hated them because they would shoot this little fiery venom type stuff <laughs> and uh the egyptians the isis bird you know little birds got that long beak you see them in australia different places too i guess those are variant forms but those birds love to go out and attack those uh little flying dragons the <laughs> flying snakes that they uh, that they were 
that would shoot that fire. And so the Egyptians, they, they wanted these, uh, or Ibis birds, I'm sorry. Um, they wanted these, I said Isis birds. <laughs> well, Ibis Isis birds. was an Egyptian god. <laughs> That's so right. Could, yeah, I'm going to be. But yeah, the Ibis bird, uh, uh, you know, it would go out and attack these things. So they wanted to have as many of these things as possible. The fact is a lot of the Egyptians started worshiping the bird because it protected them from this. <laughs> These uh, little fiery dragons that would come up. So, I mean, we see it in historical records as well. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, other historians have commented on a little bit of that too. But, you know, when it comes to ancient history, we don't have everything. You know, a lot of books right. have been lost over the years and, and things like that, which actually makes it nice for sci-fi and things like that yeah. if you want to write some stories, I guess. Very cool. So, guys, dragons, not just fantasy, very much could be science fiction or historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Probably historical fiction is probably more accurate. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, all right. So, where can we find you in either online or in in the bookstore? Yeah. Or um. Well, I'm kind of all over the place. Believe okay. it or not, I keep pretty busy. Um, but uh, uh, our our website answersingenesis.org. You can hop on there, type in dragons. Uh, you know, I, I've written a lot of things on it. Uh, so have other people. Um, you know, I've got a book, uh, Dragons, Legends, and Lore Dinosaurs, New Answers, Book 4. I've got a chapter in there specifically on it. In fact, you could find a lot of different resources uh, through our website, uh, Dire Dragons. This is a great one from Vance Nelson. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of different petroglyphs and things that have been found in different parts of the world. That You, you look at this thing, you're like, well, is that a dinosaur or a dragon, or is it the same thing, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, some other books that I've seen out there, uh, Dave Wetzel. Uh, has a book called Chronicles of Dinosauria, you know, where he runs through a lot of these things, you know, that you've seen in South America or wherever. Very cool. These are all very cool-looking books, by the way. I'm looking at them right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, you're wanting yeah. to go buy them. Yep. <laughs> uh, the Institute for Creation Research, you know, they're another one of the creation organizations out there based out of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a book, uh, Guide to Dinosaurs, and they also that have... That was another uh, question I had for you. Yeah. Is this view widespread in creationist circles? Oh, yeah, quite, yeah, quite okay. a bit. In fact... Uh, I mean, you know, people who bought into an old earth millions of years, billions of years, things like that, and try to mix it with the Bible, you know, naturally they're going to hold to the secular view, uh, you know, where dinosaurs and man are separated out. But, uh, you know, anybody who holds it the six days of creation or normal days, you know, they, they pretty much hold dinosaurs and man living at the same time. Very the cool. dinosaur-dragon connection, it's out there. In fact, this Institute for Creation Research has a couple different books. Uh, this one is uh, essentially a guide to dinosaurs. I think it was mostly written by Brian Thomas, a researcher there. Uh, but Dr. Uh, Tim Caleri, their geologist, he also has one where he looks at a lot of the dinosaur um, fossil finds and things like that and historical records. And uh, Mike Ward from the Creation Research Society is one of the board members there. That's another one of the big creation organizations out there. In fact, I'm a member of that one, uh, too. Uh, but uh, that's that, that one consists of a lot of scientists uh, in, in particular. But uh, Mike Ward has one called Dinosaur Challenges and Mysteries. Uh, so he goes through it. Uh, you know, a lot of people are publishing on this, finding more and more. Um, you know, so I really appreciate that. I like to see cool. more and more because I'm learning from them. They learn from me. We all, uh, you know, chat from time to time, you know, on different uh, aspects and elements that we find some of the research we've awesome. been doing. So, Do you have time for one last question? I sure, sure. The last one. Okay. I had a, my, my co-host, Steve McDonald, sent in this question, and he would just like to ask you, okay. uh, how does one lovingly introduce creation science elements to those who are close to us, but they've accepted the secular science over the biblical truth claims? Well, there's non-threatening ways to do that. You know, I recorded a whole talk on dinosaurs, dragons, and the Bible. 
you know, it, it takes you back and says, hey, let's go back and start with the Bible. Um, you know, looks at the six days of creation, looks at dinosaurs, looks at the petroglyphs, looks at so- dinosaur soft tissue, just looks at it from a biblical viewpoint. That's a great non-threatening way to witness to somebody. Cool. Because instead of you two having to sit down and all of a sudden you're battling because you're on two different things, to say, hey, here's a gift for you. I got you a DVD. Uh, take a look at this. I mean, you can always get them a book, too. Yeah. Uh, of course, books cost more uh, sometimes, <laughs> and, and sometimes it's a lot more uh, to, to, to filter through. A lot of people nowadays are more than willing to sit down for an hour and watch a cool DVD on right. dinosaurs and dragons. So it's a great non-threatening way to introduce them to the subject. And you know what? Uh, you know, sometimes we have to step back. A lot of us have been influenced by the world one way or another. Mm-hmm. Many years ago in my past, you know, I bought into some of the millions of years and some of the long ages, you know, and I really struggled with some of that, too. And, uh, you know, we, we have to remember somebody who's bought into that kind of thing, they're not the enemy. Uh, you know, it's the false philosophy that they've been imposed on, uh, you know, in this culture mm-hmm. to believe those types of things, sometimes in a subtle way. I mean, we, we learn about it a lot of times in school or in movies even, you know, we can we can see it in a lot of different angles in the media, uh, even museums, things like that. So we can get subtly influenced. And what we need to do is step back and realize, hey, these people aren't the enemy. It's the false philosophy. And let's question the philosophy, not the person. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us on the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Yeah. Um, I just really appreciate it. I can't believe you guys gave me an interview. So. Hey, no problem. <laughs> and I, I was gone all last week, and I got back yesterday. And I know uh, uh, trying to get things uh, organized quickly sometimes is difficult. But yeah. I'm glad we can accommodate. Yeah. So. Thank you very much. You and, God uh, bless you. Yeah, I'll definitely be back. And uh, All right, we're signing off. Right. Okay. Hey, Evan, thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah no problem. Amazing. Thank you. I thought it would be fun, and I, I was just stunned that they they hooked me up with the, like one of the top guys who uh, on the subject. So I know um, that incredible. Was, it was real fun to talk to him. And while I was down there, uh, my my father in law was visiting uh, us. What when I got to go down there? So we went down and we saw the Creation Museum, which I've been to a couple of times. But we also got to see the Ark. Oh, that's fantastic! Which, if you're not in the know, Answers in Genesis has just finished construction on a life size to scale recreation of Noah's Ark. Right. And man, that is worth going to see. Yeah. I really wanted to see that when we went down to Florida, we just couldn't budget the time to get all the way over to uh, Kentucky and then back to either, you know, whichever way we were going, Florida or Massachusetts. So really wanted to. My, uh, my, my favorite thing about it was, well, the, the first floor is they, they kind of recreate exactly what it would have been like with the, the cages and the feeding system and everything. But the, the other floors are more like exhibits about how the Ark would have, you know, how, how it could have survived the floating through the ocean and the high waves and or yeah, the, the science behind it. Yeah, yeah. And then they, and then they had a whole uh, spot where they, they talk about the pre-flood world. And they, I think they have like a professional – uh, movie concept artist, I don't know for sure, but that's what it looked like, uh, draw images and they set up dioramas of what it, it could have looked like. And man, it was some of the coolest, most imaginative uh, Bible imagery because in between Adam and the flood, you've got like a thousand years. And who yeah, knows what the world? Years, yeah. yeah, who knows what the world would have looked like then? And the the imagery that they had was just super cool. And it just made me think, like, man, if that Noah movie would have just done stuff like this, yeah, it would have been so much cooler. Yeah. It just would have been cooler if you just do it the Bible way. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yep. Oh well, that was that was that was one of my highlights. You guys should. 
if you have a chance, go check it out. Even if it's just a pit stop on the way to wherever you're going, <laughs> it's cool to go see. Cool. So, all right. Well, Evan, I hope you passed on our thanks to the people at Answers in Genesis and the, the Creation Museum. I believe I did. Good, good, because we 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 yeah, that was that was really nice of them to to allow us to do that. So. It was. And uh, I told him I'd send him the episode, and uh, he even, as you heard, recommended somebody else we could uh, contact for an interview. So hopefully we'll be able to do that someday. All right. Well, uh, that, with all that said, I, I guess really all we have left to say is, hey, thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you to uh, Creation Museum for letting Evan do that. And thank you to Evan for doing that. And thank you to Steve for listening <laughs> I listen to us. Mel. And, and thank you Ben for closing us out and thank you I was going to thank myself but okay whatever alright beat you too uh, yeah and uh, thank you to mom and dad <laughs> yeah uh, I'm going to stop there thank Thanks you for listening everyone God and bless us everyone that too and Godspeed You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. Bunny, what's wrong? Oh, Daddy, I was just looking at my cool artwork. Why would that make you sad? I was thinking that some of them would look so much better printed on vintage-style planks of wood. It's so s- saddening. Is saddening? Is that even a word? Just read the script, sweetie. A spell check didn't catch it. Okay. Ahem. It's so saddening that my beautiful artwork has to stay on boring old paper. It's just so early 21st century. Well, you're in luck, Bunny Boo, because now there's the Woodprint Shop. The Woodprint Shop? Yes, the Woodprint Shop. Woodprints start out as a photo or digital artwork and then are printed on vintage-style planks of wood. Ever since 2015, the Woodprint Shop of Southwest Michigan has handcrafted all of their woodprints, which means each and every piece is incredibly unique. Just like my stuff, but what else can be printed on wood? The wood print shop can print pretty much anything on their vintage style wood planks from family portraits to landscapes to graphic design pieces you can either send them one of your photos or you can choose one of their unique pieces to purchase it sounds complicated but it's not just email them your photo woodprintshop at gmail.com and pick a size they send you free proofs your order is printed in five to seven business days and shipped straight to you their unique handcrafted method turns each piece of work that they complete into a unique masterpiece for you making your order a truly one-of-a-kind product that you will be proud to display. Their goal is to help you create the perfect display piece or gift from your favorite images. Wow, Dad, you're the best dad in the world, it says Uh, thanks, Honey Muffin, and thank you, the Woodprint Shop.
Learn more at thewoodprintshop.com or contact them at woodprintshop at gmail.com or 269-479-8606. That's 269-479-8606.